This is the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. In this week's podcast, one of my greatest fears would not be to realize that the Bible I had wasn't true, but it would be to realize that the Bible I had was absolutely true and I didn't take the time to learn it and obey it. That is something to be afraid of because that is something we'll be accountable for one day to to one day stand before God and realize it was absolutely true. I gave it to you in plenty of time for you to learn it and obey it, and you just paid no attention to it because you were too busy. Welcome back to the Activate Podcast, the ministry resource of Journey Church International in Lee Summit, Missouri. My name is Brandon, and today I have the opportunity of having a conversation with Pastor Christian, and we're going to be talking about his recent message in our series called Foundations, Why You Can Trust the Bible. Before we get into the message, Pastor Christian, I'd love for you to talk about the 21 days of prayer that we've been experiencing here at Journey um, it wraps up this Sunday, and I'm I'm really interested. What has been the single most impactful thing you have learned as a result of this prayer journey, and and as a result, what changes have you made in your own life um, as a result? Yeah, so I think the thing that's impacted me the most has just been the hunger of our church. I mean, to to be really honest with you, uh, you know, I, I think it's possible that um, sometimes we set the bar too low uh, of our challenge for people. I mean, to think that people would show up 21 days in a row, um, you know, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m., take a Saturday morning, Labor Day at 6 a.m. Um, but I mean, hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds have. And I think I've, I think I've been most inspired by our people. Uh, I mean, I, I get up in the morning not just looking forward to coming to pray, but coming to see the people. Uh, I mean, if you know, if you've ever been on a mission trip with anyone, if you've ever been on a youth camp experience with anyone, if you've ever been on a camp out with anyone, to see the same people 21 days in a row uh, and to have conversations and community that revolves around spiritual growth, spiritual commitment, spiritual passion. It's just been a very, very unique time in my life that uh, that I don't believe that I'll ever forget. Uh, it's made me want to pray more fervently. It's made me want to pray more passionately. Just listening to our team members, uh, yourself, Pastor Ryan, Kyle, Danielle, Stephanie, Tara, um, Scott, uh, you know, just talk about the things going on in their life, how God is moving in their heart towards prayer, I think has, has touched me in ways that, uh, that I couldn't even imagine, got me off my prayer schedule. I've, I've got a really good prayer routine, but I think uh, prayer prayer began to be a little more organic the last 21 days. Instead of praying my verses on my days through my list, it's just really allowing God to speak to my heart and then just communicating back to him. So it's just been an incredible time that I cannot wait to continue uh, starting Monday, September 16th. Every Monday morning, 6 to 7 a.m., allowing myself, all of our ministry team, and then all of our people to come begin their weeks with prayer, to bathe their week in prayer before they even go start one minute of it, uh, I think is just going to take the spiritual life, the spiritual passion, the spiritual fervor of our church to a brand new level. So I'm, I'm super blessed by our people, our production team, our worship team. Some of the members of our hospitality team, uh, our staff who weren't required to be here, and then all the people. It's just been unbelievable, the spiritual community that I have experienced the last three weeks at our church praying um, before the sun even comes up. One of the things we provided as well as a result of this is we streamed them live online on Facebook, and we've had hundreds when they couldn't make it here They've uh, connected online, so it's been really a uh, powerful testimony to the power of prayer. It's been incredible. Yeah. 
Well, let's transition to your message on Sunday. I know you've stated this at least in the first two weeks, but I want to reiterate it again. You stated that that this is more of an equipping series than a convincing series. Interestingly, though, I believe a lot of Christians need to com- need to be convinced themselves that the Bible uh, that they read can be completely trusted. So, as you prepared and studied for this message, I know I know you've been prep- prepping for this series for quite a while. How has all of the overwhelming evidence of the historicity of the Bible influenced your understanding of its reliability? Well, I came away from my message this week, and I mean, I, I never, I never preach a message that I that I don't preach to myself first. I never, I don't think I, I would ever preach a message that I didn't didn't think would impact me. But this week, I mean, more than usual, as I studied, as I finished the message, I just thought, my gosh, I just don't know how you can't trust the reliability of the scriptures. Um, you can choose. You can choose not to follow the God of Scripture, but I mean, it's just it's just really difficult. You would almost uh, you'd almost have to turn your back on scholarship to say, no, it's it's not true. It can't it can't be trusted. You can say, I don't want to follow it. I don't want to live that way. I don't want that God. Um, You can choose not to place your faith in in Jesus. Uh, But I think this week, just studying the reliability uh, of the history of Scripture and then comparing it to other manuscripts of ancient history that, that, I mean, we've written world history based upon and to see how much more evidence there is for the reliability of the Old Testament of the New Testament scriptures as as being trustworthy manuscript evidence of history and then how archaeology and geography and and kind of world history continues to look at the events and the places and the people and the specifics of history as told by the Bible and it just over and over and over again through museums throughout the world says, yeah, that really, that actually really happened just like the Bible said it did, where the Bible said it did, when the Bible said it did, with the groups of people that the Bible said were there, um, that absolutely happened. So, I mean, you can say everything the Bible says historically is true, but I just choose not to believe the spiritual message. You can, you can say that, uh, but for me, I just can't understand why someone would weave a completely accurate history together and at the same time try to try to weave in um, a spiritual lie and then just pray that it all tied together, that it all just came out together in the end. It just doesn't make sense to me that that would happen. So the reliability of of Scripture as history this week again, I just kind of shook my head and just thought, man, it like it it is. It is so obviously true in so many places where it just absolutely um, cannot be questioned that I'm just going to trust to believe that the God behind it and the Savior who comes out of it are true as well. Well, Pastor Christian, the longer I'm around you, the more I'm personally impacted by your appreciation of Scripture. Um, Can you talk about where this appreciation started for you and and how that appreciation continues to be cultivated in your life. Yeah, so I was I was called to ministry. Um, you know, for for those who listen to our podcast, you might not understand what that means. I I felt for the first time in my heart in sixth grade at a at a little revival at the little Nazarene church that I went to. The pastor gave an invitation for people 
you know, who needed more of Jesus in their life. And I remember as a sixth grader going forward and during that invitation, he just kind of asked a question. He just said, I believe there are some here today who, who God wants to grow up and be in the ministry. I believe there's people that God are calling to be pastors. And he said, I, I believe God's speaking to you about that right now. And I just felt in my heart like th- that that was me. Um, you know, I didn't know if that was me saying I want that or I need that or I think I'd be good at that or if it was God. But I just felt impressed on my heart. I, like, I think I think that's me. I think I think God wants me to go into ministry. Uh, and then I ran from that because once you get out, once you get off the altar and once you get out of church, it's like, who in the world would want to do that? Um, yeah. So I ran from it until college. And then in college, God just kind of pulled me back. Every time I got really close to Jesus, all I thought about was helping people for Jesus. Like every time my walk got serious, my impact started to grow. Like I never dove into discipleship without also diving into ministry. So as I began walking closely to Jesus again with a much more mature faith, I just felt again God was saying your path is ministry. You're supposed to you're supposed to give up everything in your life to follow me in ministry. So Danielle and I just started dating when that happened. And I remember going to the registrar's office at Liberty University and literally in a day changed my major, uh, said, I, you know, I need to drop these classes. I need to add ministry classes. God wants me to go into ministry. I didn't know what it meant at the time. I just knew that I was supposed to throw my whole future into God's hands. And when I told Danielle that and got home, um, she's like, man, you like you should you should talk to some pastors and see what to do next. So I called a few pastors that I knew and basically said, God's called me into ministry. What do I what do I do? And one of them said, you need to you need to really start studying scripture, read the New Testament. And after you read the New Testament, call me back. So I read the New Testament in three days and called him back and said, what do I do now? And he said, read it again. Um, maybe maybe that's because may, maybe I have such a passion for scripture because that's how my ministry journey started. Someone said, man, if you're going to serve God, you got to know scripture. And I just dove into it. And ever since then, you know, I, um, you know, I, I hope to be cremated probably when I'm buried, I, you know, or when, when I die. So I won't have a tombstone. But if I had a tombstone, I would want Ezra 710 to be on my tombstone um, that I that I committed my life to study the word of God, to practice what it said and to teach others how to do the same. That That's Ezra 710, that Ezra committed his life to study the word, to do it and to teach it. As I began to study the word, I saw where it spoke life to those who would follow it. And I tried to follow it. And as I followed it, it brought life to me. And as it brought life to me, I wanted to share it with everyone. I think that's really where my passion for scripture comes from. As I studied it, I saw that it gave clear direction. And as I tried to follow the direction, it just it just really opened my life up to who Jesus had created me to be. And the more I experienced that, the more I wanted others to experience that as well. So I'm just trying to bring them on my journey, that if you will study God's word, if you will do what it says, you will become who God has created you to be. And when that happens, you won't you won't be able to help but tell everyone else you have to do this too. You got to try. It's like it's like your favorite Mexican restaurant. It's like your favorite dessert place. Um once something's deeply impacted your life, even to the point of food, you got to take people with you. You got to go try this. It's just unbelievable. Um, and that's that's what studying scripture and trying to live the way scripture has uh, tells you to live has done for me. It's just so deeply impacted my life. I want other people to experience it um, as well. I have a deep passion for it because it's it's made a deep impact in my life. You, uh, Pastor Christian, are constantly sharing new scripture with us um, as a staff. And I know you do that with your congregation as well. Um, 
But it's interesting to think, you know, we believe God's got an incredible hand of blessing upon you. But this is this is for everybody. No doubt about it. Yeah, everyone can read it and do it. And when they do it, they'll be impacted by it. And when they're impacted by it, they won't help but be able to tell people about it so they can experience the same impact. Well, the main biblical passage for your message was from the Gospel of Luke. Luke was a unique author, as you pointed out. Um, he was a new, unique author, author of the New Testament because he was an outsider. He was initially a skeptic of the events of Jesus' life, and he was not Jewish. But he had to make sure everything he was hearing was true. So you talked about Sir William Ramsey, a skeptic of the Bible himself. And when you mentioned him, I thought of another skeptic named Lee Strobel, a more recent skeptic. He was a writer of the Chicago Tribune who sought out to disprove the Bible. And as a result of that, he became a follower of Jesus. And he wrote a book called The Case for Christ. Strobel, as well as others, are now extremely outspoken about the reliability of the Bible. So here's my point. Being skeptical is actually a great place to start on our spiritual journey. And here's my question. Many of us have friends that are not only far from God, they are skeptical of the trustworthiness of the Bible. So walk us through, Pastor Christian, a conversation you might have with a person whose biggest argument against Christianity is the reliability of the Bible. Where, where do we start? So here's where I would start. If somebody, if somebody told me they struggled with the reliability of the Bible, I would ask them where and why. Like, that's what I was just please, if you could give me a list of all the verses, all the chapters, all the stories, all the text, if you could give me precise information on where you struggle and why, I will try to go find the answers to those, because most people who say they are skeptics of Scripture haven't read a word of it, and they can't even tell you why they're skeptics of Scripture other than I just... I read a blog or I read a book. Don't tell me what some author has written. Don't tell me what a blog has written. Show me the scripture that you struggle with. Show me the chapter. Show me the verse. Show me the story. Show me the history. Show me the science. Show me where you struggle specifically. Give me time to go do some homework and see if I can find answers to those questions. One, it will drive the skeptic to the scripture. And two, if they won't be driven to the scripture, they prove to be a dishonest skeptic, which means they already have faith. It's just not faith in Bible. They've put their faith in something else, and they're trying to convert you, not question you. So an honest skeptic will go study and tell you this verse right here I really, really struggle with. A dishonest skeptic will say, oh, no, no, I'm not going to read that garbage. And if you're not going to open up your life to Scripture, eventually, I mean, your heart is not going to be opened up to Jesus. So that's that's what I would do. Give me specifics. What verse, what chapter, what story, what history are you struggling with? Help me understand where it is, and let me see if I can go find the answers to it. Suppose this um, skeptic says, I I'm not going to read the Bible. I know you've encouraged me to do that. Are there other resources that we could direct them to, or would they not even be interested in those resources? So, I mean, so it depends. If somebody doesn't want to read the Bible because they think it's too big of a place to start, Tim Keller has an incredible book, The Reason for God, um, that that's just a masterpiece of helping people understand why there's a God. C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity, um, you know, if if they like to read older books, is just incredible. You know, you mentioned Lee Strobel's Case for Christ. He's also written Case for Faith. He's written Case for a Creator. Josh McDowell's New Evidence That Demands a Verdict is an incredible book. I mean, there, there are all kinds of books. Um, if somebody gets through all of those, 
and still won't read the Bible to check out faith for themselves. Gosh, I, I don't know what else they could read. But if you have a friend who reads all of those books and then comes away with some good questions, um, man, send them to us. Activate at takethejourney.cc, and we will give secondary resources to help your friends, your family members on their spiritual journey. Pastor Christian, in your message, you mentioned your Israel trip. And one of my favorite spots actually is one of the spots that you mentioned that was one of your least favorites, or at least one of the boring, most boring places. Right. There's uh, there's not a lot of biblical history, but there's a lot of biblical importance. Very good. Yeah, very at this good. site. Yeah. I understand now. Um, it's, it's where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. I was uh, just totally enamored by the location because I'd always heard the story growing up about the shepherd throwing the rock into the cave and it didn't sound right. And he explored and found these, these, uh, these uh, Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, one of the greatest 20th century biblical findings affirmed that the Old Testament we have today is the exact same one that the Jews possessed 3,000 years ago. We hold these exact same scriptures in our hands today. I just find that absolutely profound. So you've been to Israel many times. You've mentioned the Israel Israeli Museum um, in your message. What are some other examples of locations that when you visit them in Israel, they unequivocally proved to you in your heart the historical events of the Bible? Yeah, so, if, so, so a lot of geography is proven just by going to Israel, right? I mean, the, the places are where the Bible says that they are. Probably for me, more than the locations, really is the Israeli Museum. Because when you go into the Israeli Museum, they have a, they have a section on, on seals, um, not the animal um, that lives in the ocean, but these tiny little, they are, they're maybe the size of a button on your shirt, maybe a little bigger, smaller than a dime, a little bigger than a button on, on like a button on like a button-up dress shirt. And these seals were used to basically sign documents in the Old Testament. And there are seals that they have found um, in Jerusalem that have the names of Old Testament kings that are in Scripture, that have the names of Old Testament scribes that are in Scripture. Um, there are seals that, that they found, for instance, in the city of David, two scribes of a very random name, um, who who basically were kind of in like the scribal library in the city of David um, that, that eventually was ransacked and burned down. And Jeremiah said, these guys in this location, um, they went and the, the, the scroll that I wrote to the king, they went and they burned it in like their scribal room. They found these guys seals, um, you know. Christian, the father of Gary, uh, you know, Cooper, the or, or Christian, the son of Gary, Co Cooper, the son of Brandon. They like in the Bible, the Bible says this guy's name, son of this person, a scribe in Israel. Their seal literally says this guy, son of this guy, a scribe in Israel. I mean, it was found like in the exact room, in the exact location where Jeremiah said it was, which which makes you, you have. So you have to ask this question. So is that like the only part of Jeremiah's book where he was telling the truth? Or was he telling the truth for all of it? Because if he was telling the truth for all of it, that means Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, you know, through through the hermeneutics of Scripture applies to Israel that God's going to bring them back. But it but it applies to all the followers of Jesus that, that God sees you that 
that he has plans for your future, um, that those plans are, are good, that, um, you know, if, if you're away from him, he's going to draw you back. He's going to pull you back to him. I mean, when you're really able to jump into the truth of Scripture um, and, you, and you see in the Israeli Museum just, I mean, history that you can hold in your hand. Um, when, when you go in the Israeli Museum and you see the little silver scroll they found that has Numbers chapter 6, the, the Levitical prayer, on it, inscribed on this little silver scroll that they found in a in a tomb that dates to 600 years before Jesus was born. So I mean, you're talking like back when Isaiah was prophesying, and you see that the scripture from Leviticus is the exact same as the scripture that we hold in our Bible from you know near you know twenty over 2,600 years ago. You just believe like this stuff is this stuff is real. Like this stuff is real when you see the gold ball that came off of the high priest's garment right below the temple mount which jordan and a lot of the world will want to tell you well we don't know if there was ever a jewish temple here or not yet they're they're not only they're not only is great archaeological proof that 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 israel that jerusalem was israel's capital city but that the high priest actually roamed around on the streets between the Pool of Siloam, where he would where he would go and bathe, where they would go and get water on the last day of the um, you know the Feast of Tabernacles and carried into the city. I mean, like when you see these historical finds and stand in these historical places, you just look around, and you say it's true. And if the history is true, it would make no sense that the spiritual history would not be accurate. As well, I mean, there there are hundreds of things. I wish everyone listening to this podcast could go to Israel with me because I would take you and show you all these things. But it just every time I'm there, it just affirms my faith because there will be some biblical sites that as I teach the whole time I'm teaching what I'm saying to myself in my head and in my heart is it's true like this stuff. This stuff really happened. This stuff is true. Well, final question for today, Pastor Christian. One of the most interesting parts of your message was concerning the New Testament manuscripts. The key question that you gave us was, can the New Testament be trusted as credible history? You shared one reason we can trust the New Testament as credible history is because how often the early church fathers quoted the New Testament in their writings. I believe it was over 36,000 times. Um, As I look um, at uh, several of the names on that list of these early church fathers, it, it hit me that most of them were executed for what they believed to be true. How how are you inspired knowing that the men and women, uh, that men and women have sacrificed their lives so that we can hold the Bible in our hands and we can trust it with our lives? Well, I think the question that so many Christians are asking themselves in the year 2019 is not, will I die so that someone can have a copy of the Bible? It is... um, do I want anyone to think bad of me because I even say that I believe the Bible? And when I look at the level of persecution they went through so that we could have faith, and I realize the level of persecution we're caving under, which might just radically uh, and negatively impact the faith of our children, it, it, it just makes me want to stand up a little straighter um, and say, bring it on. Um, you know, I, I don't think this will cost me my life. could cost me my church. Uh, could could cost me my living, um, could cost me some character and reputation, might cost me some friends. But what is it worth to stand up and, you know, in public like we are in our church and say, hey, we, we believe the Bible is the word of God and you're supposed to do what's written in it. We just, we believe that. 
they're probably not going to burn us at the stake. You know, we live in an angry world. Who, who, who knows what happens in any corner of the globe on any given day? Um, but, you know, the question today isn't, am, am I going to die for my faith? The question is, is someone going to be mean to me? Is someone going to say negative things about me? Uh, is someone going to disown me? Um, and, I, and I think as Christians, we, we have to see the sacrifice that it took to get the Bible to us. And, and we might have to be willing to sacrifice to get the Bible to the next generation. And more than that, you know, the thought that I closed my message with was, was so powerful to me personally. Um, you know, I, I, I think one of our greatest, one of my greatest fears would not be to realize that the Bible I had wasn't true. But it would be to realize that the Bible I had was absolutely true. And I didn't take the time to learn it and obey it. That is something to be afraid of because that is something we'll be accountable for one day. To to one day stand before God and realize it was absolutely true. I gave it to you in plenty of time for you to learn it and obey it. And you just paid no attention to it because you were too busy. That is a, uh, that's a fear of mine um, that, I, that I can do something about. Um, God, if it's true, I'm, I'm going to trust it is true. I'm going to try to live it is true. I'm going to try to teach it is true. Uh, and at least when I stand before you, um, you know, I, I, I won't say, hey, I, sorry, I just didn't have time um, for this. Well, Pastor Christian, I want to personally thank you once again for equipping me with valuable information that should strengthen my trust in Scripture, but also inspiring us to cherish the words of Scripture with greater intentionality. And thank you for listening to the podcast. We want to remind you that this podcast is designed to be a resource for you. If you if you should ever have any questions about what we discuss on the podcast, please don't hesitate to send us an email to activate at takethejourney.cc. Again, that's activate at takethejourney.cc. We love to help you answer any questions you have, or at least we can help point you in the right direction. Perhaps um, we may even answer one of your questions on an upcoming episode. So we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. We would love for you to help us get the word out about this resource. Don't forget to share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.